the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Good to be together. What a day, what a day. These days are quite amazing, quite stunning, really, to watch uh, what's happening over on uh, Tucker Carlson's show and uh, what exactly it means in terms of the future and what people believe about what's going on. So we'll get to all that. Uh, we'll also talk with Mike Davis. Mike Davis, of course, the uh, uh, Supreme Court clerking, a lawyer who's worked in the uh, both the uh, all three branches. Actually, he worked for he clerked for uh, Justice Gorsuch. He um, uh, practiced law as a lawyer uh, in the Bush White House. And uh, he also was up on Capitol Hill as the chief counsel to Senator Grassley and the Judiciary Committee. So we'll talk with him because there is an aspect of what we've seen in the um, in the videos on Tucker Carlson's show that makes you wonder if the people who've already pled guilty or been convicted have a reason to complain and maybe shift their plea or uh, shift their the judgment on them. And uh, Mike Davis will tell you about that. I think so, too. I mean, the one that's most obvious is the couple of the... Um, uh, QAnon shaman, that guy that was painted and half naked with, uh, uh, horns on his head, uh, probably mentally ill. I've always wondered why he wasn't uh, able to get some coverage. I mean, for being mentally ill, but, but he, he got, uh, he pled guilty to, uh, some kind of crime and he, um, is doing almost four years in prison. I think 41 months, maybe. And I guess that's a little, that's, uh, three and a half years, but, um, he, he is shown in the video that, uh, Tucker Carlson showed the other night. Uh, being escorted by the police, being helped by the police. And if he didn't have that video to show as part of his defense, then the prosecution really treated him unfairly and probably broke the Supreme Court precedent. The law is Brady, the Brady case. So we'll see. We'll talk with Mike Davis. We'll also have a visit. I've been looking forward to this. It's been scheduled for a couple of weeks. Uh, a um, The um, author, uh, Curtis Ellis, who I never had the privilege of meeting, uh, but who I read, he read his work and has now uh, published a book called Pandemonium about the threat of China. He's kind of a, I think he describes himself or, or did he's, he passed away. The late, uh, Curtis Ellis describes himself as an economic pop, uh, nationalist and, um, his wife, Maxine Albert, uh, will come on and talk about the book, uh, that he has written that has been published, uh, posthumously. So we'll talk with her about that. But first, let's get to, uh, uh January 6th and the videos of Tucker Carlson. I want to make two points. There's two what you need to know today. Okay. The wink. One is about what we've seen so far and about what the videos show. The second is about the reaction. Okay, so it is no surprise. Let's do the second one first. What you need to know is it's no surprise that the Democrats went to the floor of the U.S. Senate and the House and complaining and that, and that they're screaming and bloody murder. Why? How can you do this? Tucker Carlson is being deceptive, uh, all blah, blah, blah. What Tucker Carlson is doing, though, of course, is Tucker Carlson is actually addressing what's going on in the in this case in terms of uh, exactly what's uh, happening he's doing is what the select committee did, which is to say he's picking and choosing what is shown. I, I happen to think that he's being more honest, but I'm not sure of that. 
You know what I mean? I, my point here is that you can't know for sure uh, the reality um, that uh, of all these said until we see all the video. Right. He may be taking it out of context. Um, he might. He might be taking it out of context. But if he is, I- I'm not sure we know yet. But he's certainly directionally more on the side of people who think it was a way out of control. And I'll talk about what he found in a moment. So but the reaction of the Democrats, predictable. The reaction of Liz Cheney, predictable. Wasn't as predictable, but it will be when I explain it, that the Republicans in the Senate are complaining. Now, why is that? Well, a number of them are complaining because they bought into the uh, narrative that it was an insurrection and they've told their friends and family that. And none, no senator wants to be contradicted, but much more likely they want to get rid of Trump. They don't want Trump to run. They think they're better than Trump. Most of them think they're better. The ones that are complaining think they're better than Trump and they don't want to have Trump around because if January 6th gets imploded as a fraud, especially the select committee, it helps Trump move past it. So, all right, now, but let me get to what you need to know in, in general, more broadly, um, please. What I believe, there are three things that I believe uh, uh, Tucker Carlson has revealed. One, that the January 6th committee lied. Now, that's just what I, I just said that. I just said that. I was just talking about that. When I say they lied, I mean they selectively used the edits. They selectively used the facts. They selectively used uh, the way things are positioned to make an infomercial. You know, we've called it a show trial, but Americans aren't used to the word show trial, the words show trial anymore. They, because we haven't had show trials. We haven't had to watch the, um, the, uh, uh, we, we haven't had to watch um the the reality of soviet show trials right um i i I, you know so the reality is that the uh the um uh show trial the previous generation when you said show trials they knew they'd seen the soviets do show trials they knew exactly what it meant we don't see that well we know infomercial and that's what this was select committee had an infomercial and tucker carlson has shown that they lied they lied about what was going on by the use of the videos, use of select testimony. The second thing that the, the Tucker Carlson showed is that people were let in to the Capitol. They were escorted into the Capitol. I mean, the QAnon shaman was had the doors held for him. But there's other instances now we've seen in the video that the, the, the security is actually letting them in. Now, that may have been part of a de-escalation strategy, but the images are stark. And they weren't shown to us before now. So the two things, and then the last one, which is maybe most uh, emblematic by Epps, the the, the first night of Tucker's sh- uh, coverage, where the, the um, Ray Epps coverage, the Ray Epps uh, video, Ray Epps clearly lied to the select committee and was clearly involved in a way that's way beyond, uh, like almost anyone else that was charged that didn't go in the building, right? There's a whole bunch of people that are charged with crimes that didn't go in the building. Some people went in the building. Well, that's trespass, right? The, it's hard to understand how it's trespass when people are escorting you in, you know, when the cops are letting you in. But still, at least you can make an argument. You're going into the wrong place you shouldn't have gone to. Ray Epps didn't go in the building, but neither did a, about four or five or six or seven or more people that have been charged with crimes for being outside and appearing to orchestrate or leading the charge or being involved. Ray Epps, the video shows he was knee deep involved. And it brings us to the question is, who was working, who was uh, on the payroll, who was an informant of the federal government that day? How many were there? What were they doing? 
Were they a part of this? I'm not one of the people that thinks that there was dozens of FBI agents that were leading this as a way to trap Trump. But if there were dozens of paid informants and FBI agents who were participating in a way that's beyond what they should have, we ought to know that. We ought to know that because we ought to have a be- ability again to say what really went on. And we can't. We can't. So Tucker Carlson has done a huge service. But again, I join with the media from last week and now the Democrats and the moderate Republicans in the uh, senators who are griping that Tucker has been unfairly biased in favor of January 6th being nothing bad at all. They're complaining. Mitt Romney and others are saying, oh, no, it's too much. It was really terrifying. It was really violent. You don't. Tucker Carlson is being too light on that. I join in your criticism in the sense that there's only one way to solve this. Release all the videotape. Release all the videotape. All 40. Now it's up to 44,000 hours. You know, for a while it was 40, 14,000 hours. That's what Nancy Pelosi told us. Then it was 41,000 hours last week. Now it's up to 44,000 hours. Whatever it is, release it all. At this point, there can be no, there can be no uh, security uh, protocol that has not been exposed and therefore must be reset. You, 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 they're lying to you if they're saying the Capitol Police that they're not going to have brand new protocols. They're probably going to shut off some doors. They're probably going to change some uh, hallways. They're going to have to. So make it all public now. Make it all public. It's it's sufficiently out there now. We all deserve to see it. But what you need to know today is that as to the January 6th events, we're getting closer to the truth. If you're one of the people like me who believes Tucker Carlson has done a good job of showing what's really happened, then you're happy. If you're someone who thinks Tucker Carlson was biased, then you're upset. I happen to think that Tucker Carlson is showing the truth and that the select committee was biased. If you're in the group, I doubt you're listening to my program, but that thinks that the select committee was not biased and Tucker Carlson was, we join ourselves and come together on the same page. Because what we now know is there's doubt about what happened. And the answer is show the tapes, give them availability to the entire public so we can make our decisions on what happened. That's the most important thing we can do. I hope to see us do it. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back and talk with Mike Davis. Be right back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with our old friend Mike Davis. Mike Davis is over at the uh, Article 3 Project, article, the number 3 project.org. He's the founder over there. He's worked, we've talked about it to him a number of times. He's worked in all three branches of the federal government. He's worked worked for Chuck Grassley, maybe, well, I don't know, most famously, but he did a lot of great work with Chuck Grassley, Senator Grassley. Also worked in the Bush White House, Department of Justice, uh, Neil Gorsuch as a Supreme Court Justice. And and uh, Article 3 Project is a very helpful website, especially tracking uh, judges and what's going on. So, Mike, I saw you on Twitter during the uh January 6th, uh, Tucker videos, I thought it was very helpful with your perspective as an attorney who practiced for a long time. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that came up was, especially with the QAnon shaman, 
the video that was shown by Tucker clearly showing the guy was escorted around. He didn't threaten. He wasn't threatening to anyone. And yet he pled guilty and is in jail for almost four years, I think. Uh, what is your what did you see when you saw that? Uh, thank you for having me on, Ed. And you're an attorney as well, so you know that the when when you are a when you are a prosecutor, you have a constitutional obligation to provide to a defendant exculpatory evidence, meaning evidence that that tends to show that you're innocent. And with that video, if any juror, even in ninety five percent Democrat Washington D.C., would have seen. That video, there is no chance that they would have convicted him of crimes that that would have sent him to prison for 41 months. And that's when he ended up getting in a plea agreement because he got railroaded by the U.S. government. They did not turn over this evidence to Jacob Tansley's attorney. Now, their excuse now that they're leaking out to reporters is that that the Capitol Police made 44,000 hours of surveillance videos available to January 6th defendants. Well, first of all, we don't know if Jacob Chansley's attorney had that option. That, that, that has not been established because he was one of the early pleas in this back in, uh, I think it was uh, September of 2021. He pled out early on. So he pled guilty and got 41 months in jail early on. Did his defense attorneys have access to that video that we saw on Tucker Carlson last night. And here's the bigger problem. You can't just say that you fulfilled your constitutional violations under a 1963 case, Brady versus Maryland, by saying we provided the haystack. It was the defense attorney's job to to find the needle. Because, look, we're talking 44,000 hours of video. We're talking about during COVID. These defense attorneys apparently had to go to a room in the Capitol Police building and watch these videos. So let's say that that if that that defense attorney had nothing else to do for the rest of their lives, they could spend eight hours a day, 40 hours a week, 50 months a year. Let's say they spent 2,000 hours a year watching these videos. It would take 22 years for that defense attorney to watch 44,000 hours of video surveillance of the Capitol. That is not fair that's not right that is not how brady works that is clearly well, a brady and, and, violation and, 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 let me ask you we're, we're talking mike davis and, and and mike um again practice law people think he's a street fighter i was looking at the quote on the uh, website article three project uh article three project.org uh like about your you know what bare knuckles and all this but you practice law for uh, over a decade uh, back in uh denver where you lived and so you know this game but here's my question and you clerk to the Supreme Court and the Court of Appeals, so you know the Constitution, especially in these cases. Here's the question I have: Is it, what's the what is the how, where does the thing move where a Brady violation would occur? In other words, if if you have exculpatory evidence, so you're digging through an evidence box, you're the prosecutor, and you come upon uh, a letter from uh, you know the the defendant's uh, girlfriend where she says, I, "I sure I'm glad we were away that weekend," and they can't say you were you know in town, and you um you have to turn that over. You can't just burn it. You can't hide it. You can't. And a huge temptation, by the way, for prosecutors to look the other way on things but that's obvious right now you're the government and you know is it enough to have had access to the 44,000 uh hours or do you have to have seen it 
In other words, if you see that there's something that Jacob Chumsley didn't take a swing at the cop, that wasn't something that was alleged, but let's pretend it was, and actually he waved his finger at him, you got to show that. You know, shit, I'm saying, I, I'm not making an excuse. I'm saying, how messy is this? And and by the way, when it all, okay, well, answer that first. Well, it's not, it's, there, there's not a bright line, but it's a reasonable, reasonable reasonableness standard. It, right. Is this exculpatory evidence, meaning would this evidence tend to show that you're more innocent than more guilty, right? right? That's the first part. And then it's reasonable access. The U.S. Attorney's Office doesn't have to make the defendant's case. They have to provide reasonable access. Right. And what I'm saying, it is not reasonable to say you have to spend 22 years of an attorney's life going through these videos. That's not reasonable access. That is that is very unreasonable access. That is a clear Brady violation. And and there's no and there's no again, we're back to a sort of standard of, of uh, legal practice, too. There's no way that the prosecutors didn't find uh, the QAnon shaman on the videos everywhere that they could relatively easily. In other words, the prosecutors have enough manpower that they could go and they're going to find him like in the videos that Tucker did. That wasn't because this guy wasn't hard to pick out. He wasn't one of 7,000 people with a red hat. He was half naked with his thing on. So they would have known those. They could have, I guess the, again, my, what I'm saying is Brady um, should uh, include the, the uh, obligation to say, you know, here's all the places we see your guy. Now, you know, they don't, they don't just say over here is where we would say he was being reasonable, they, but they have to say that. What, what, why isn't Mike, we're talking Mike Davis again. Why isn't, why doesn't a judge care about this? Why isn't the uh, defense, maybe they are going to rush into court or uh, uh, Jacob Chainsley's lawyer go back into court and say, and say, what the heck is this? Well, I'll tell you, Bill Shipley is Jacob Chansley's new lawyer, and he's a very he's a very good lawyer. He was a Hawaii federal prosecutor for many years, and he is essentially volunteering a lot of his time to help these January six defendants, or he's doing it for a very low pay. Like he's trying to raise money to do it, right? But he's doing it right, and he's doing it essentially for pro bono with maybe some of his his expenses covered. He's a good guy. Right. I've helped out uh, Jacob Chansley's legal defense uh, fund or his team before in the past, and uh, I think Bill will move forward on that. I think the bigger issue is just Judge Royce Landberth, who is a Reagan appointee. I know him. Uh, he's a good guy. I think he's really, uh, I think he's really dropped the ball on this case. I think he got consumed by the government's narrative on the January sixth insurrection, and that really surprised me. Surprises me because Judge Royce Landberth is usually very skeptical of the federal government. He got played by this, right, and he ended up. The government recommended 51 months for Jacob Chansley, and uh, uh, Judge Lambert ended up giving 41 months. It was excessive. I mean, I saw, look, if you're disrupting a proceeding, at best, that's what this guy did. He trespassed and disrupted a proceeding and took selfies on the Senate floor. That was before we saw the videos of the police escorting him through the building, which is clearly exculpatory. Look, right. I ran Kavanaugh confirmation, as you as you know, for the staff leader for then-Chairman Chuck Grassley, if we're throwing people in prison for putting mentally ill, disruptive protesters, uh, you know, people who mentally ill, disruptive protesters who disrupt Senate proceedings, there'd be a lot of people from the Kavanaugh, uh, the, well, the Kavanaugh confirmation I, in prison. Yeah. No one went to jail. 
Yeah, that's a different that's a different thing, by the way. This uh, this uh, this this charge that they use. And I was out in Idaho last weekend. I was talking about Hosea Colt. I think that's his name. Um, One of the guys charged four misdemeanors and then this ridiculous felony obstruction of official proceeding, which was designed for witness tampering and suborning perjury and such. It wasn't designed for when somebody gavels out a hearing. But if it was, as you point out, there were some code pink people that upset that that, uh, disrupted the Kavanaugh hearings, I think, multiple times. But after all this, Mike, what I want to say, I want to go back to this. We're talking about Jacob Chansley. Now we're talking about thousands and thousands of hours. I don't know why, by the way, we now keep having a movable number. It was 14,000 hours when Pelosi was in charge. Now, then it was 41,000 hours when it was uh, 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 Kevin McCarthy. Now it's 44,000 hours, according to some of the responses, by the way. Anyway, but so here's what I want to ask you. If you're running a popsicle stand justice system, if you can't get the evidence together in in a timely manner, then and you keep going back to the court, which I know is happening. The, you say the court, the prosecutors saying to the court, let alone the, the defenses are saying, hey, we got so many hours, we can't get our hands around it. We need more time. We need more time. And the judge is tolling the calendar on the Speedy Trial Act, which is a requirement. And everyone's going, OK, OK, OK. At the very least, Mike, anybody who's not like a homicidal, violent criminal should be sitting at home, not sitting in a jail, innocent until proven guilty for 30 months. What? Because it's too hard for DOJ or the defense to look at video. I mean, that's the thing that's insane, isn't it? Yeah, especially remember during COVID, the Democrat politicians and prosecutors were releasing violent That's criminals right. from prison you're, you're because right. of COVID. You're right. You're right. Wow. And they're, pu- and they're putting they're putting horn man, Jacob Chansley, this mentally ill goofball who took selfies on the Senate floor, escorted by Capitol Police. He got, you know, he sat in a prison cell. Are you kidding me? Well, and there's still guys, there's guys sitting in this, there's still guys sitting there now. I mean, I happen to represent a couple of them where the prosecution's saying a week, uh, uh, no, a month ago now, I guess we need more time because we're still going through it. They're still trying to go through all the material. Again, my point is uh, at a certain, the citizen, there's got to be a moment whether, you know, I know it's a new, I know it's a modern time. And, you know, a hundred years ago, you didn't have hours of videotapes, right? You had a certain number of witnesses. You didn't have thousands of texts to look at or electronic records or all that, but there's got to be some standard. And in this case, what most many of these people, men sitting in jail, are nonviolent offenders in every way, even the charges. And yet, because the judges will take the vibe, take the quote, you know, the the assertion that it was an insurrection that we can't let them out. They might go organize another one. They might do this again. It's insane. And back to my point, two things. One, the judges aren't doing anything about it, which is embarrassing to me. And two, what are the actual steps that could happen now in terms of actions? Is it is it motions in court? Is it retrials? What what happens practically? I, well, I will say this: as you know about the D.C. District, well, you shouldn't respond to this because you have cases before them. But right. the D.C. District Court is full of left wing, uh, left wing partisan judges, and then uh, Republican appointed judges who are weak and easily manipulated. So that's no your comment. D.C. I no, District Court. I have court, no comment right? on that. I have no comment on that. That's your opinion. Go ahead. Keep going. Smile. Go yeah, ahead. exactly. Exactly. Until your cases are through. So what are the next steps? I think that Judge Royce Landworth should issue a show cause order to the Biden Justice Department 
uh, asking why he should not imp- impose Brady violation sanctions. Their failure to identify this video for Jacob Chansley's attorney, right? Right. Why did they expect Jacob Chansley's attorney? Well, first of all, did they even provide Jacob Chansley's attorney access to these 44,000 hours of videos before he pled guilty back in September of 2021? That's, that's the key question. But even if they did provide him access, how do they expect this attorney to go through 22 years of videos to find this exculpatory evidence when the Biden Justice Department, Attorney General Merrick Garland, announced this was the biggest investigation in the in the Justice Department's history. They had hundreds of prosecutors and FBI agents working on this case. At the uh, January 6th commission in Congress, the Pelosi-led commission, they spent $18 million. They had 100 staffers and two years of work. They were able to pick apart the video pieces, splice and dice and edit and doctor the, the 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 video pieces that they wanted that were useful to them. They didn't see this video. They didn't see these videos of of the police escorting in Jacob Chansley around the building, opening doors for him. They didn't see this. They didn't think that it would be fair to say, "Hey, you know, we made this criminal referral to the Justice Department. Maybe we have an obligation here to to refer this exculpatory evidence. We we referred incriminating evidence to the Justice Department." We came across this exculpatory evidence. Did they refer that? Maybe what needs to happen with these attorneys at the Justice Department and these attorneys on the January 6th Commission is there needs to be bar complaints with their state bars. There needs to be a show cause order from Judge Lamberth, right? And there needs to be a complaint filed, complaints filed at the Justice Department's Office of Professional Responsibility for these Justice Department prosecutors who worked on this case. They violated Brady. There is no question in my mind. They violated Brady with, by by uh, not not providing to these defendants, including Jacob Chansley, uh, this clearly exculpatory evidence. There is no chance a jury would have found Jacob Chansley guilty of any crime that would send him to jail for 41 months if they had seen this video, even in 95% Democrat D.C. Well, I was just going to say, the only thing I would disagree, and it gets another aspect of this, uh, Mike, is that um, there's it's hard to feel um, positive about the jury pool when um, the, the U.S. Congress, the Select Committee, spent, I would say, conservatively, $50 million of earned media running a show trial that made everybody think, you know, that there was something so dramatic. I mean, you know, you don't have to go look at the Josh Hawley, you know, doctored video to which is at least sort of comical and and mean and and nasty and a lie. But, you know, these these other people are there. I mean, it's really tough to to imagine how a jury pool uh, is appropriate. All right. Mike Davis uh, at the the, at M.R.D.D.M.I.A. on Twitter, which is really annoying, Mike. I need you to change that at (laughs) M.R.D.D. MIA. It's really good. Uh, he's got an active Twitter feed where he, he does a lot of uh, excellent writing. He is Mike Davis, the founder and the head of the Article 3 Project, article the number 3 project.org. Thanks, Mike, for your time as always. Thank you, Ed. All right. We'll take a break, everybody. I'll put all that stuff. I, I, I just was tweeting and retweeting some of his stuff. He it really is. It's great on this kind of thing to see, understand the law. I, I was even getting pushback on some of the arguments uh, of the Brady stuff. And he explained it uh, for me even before I asked him on Twitter. So check that out. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. So I received, uh, I guess, 
maybe a month ago, I don't know, five, six weeks ago, um, from my friend over at Post Hill Press, uh, Anthony Zaccardi. He said, I want you to read this book. And he sent me a book by the late Curtis Ellis. Uh, it's called Pandemonium, China's Global Strategy to Cripple America. And it's fantastic. And I, as I read this book, I was thinking I had followed Curtis Ellis. He was an advisor to the Trump campaign, um, a longtime uh, writer, had written all over the place and, and appeared a lot of times on on TV. And he passed away uh, fairly young uh, of cancer. And I thought um, as I was reading this book, I, I did see. And at the end, he'd made some acknowledgments, different things um, that he was very close and, and relied, actually, uh, for a lot of his thinking on and, and, and the beginnings of this to Pat Buchanan, because it's got a Pat Buchanan kind of vibe. And so his uh, wife uh, is joining me now. Uh, Curtis Ellis passed away, and uh, which was uh, a sadness for so many people. In fact, Steve Bannon wrote the introduction uh, uh, to the book and, um, he, uh, and Raheem Kassam has a, a blurb on the back of the book. And so a lot of the folks that, um, have been involved in these, uh, and Maxine Albert, uh, is his wife. So first of all, sorry for your loss. Uh, what a life he led and what a great, uh, book, Pandemonium, China's Global Strategy to Cripple America. Welcome to the show, Maxine. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And by the way, you mentioned Raheem Kassam. He just wrote a beautiful book review that he posted on his uh, Twitter site. So, Oh, good. Oh, good. I'll retweet that. I know I saw he was uh, acknowledged. Um, uh, I mean, he had a blurb on the back of the book. So that's great. I'll find that and we'll I'll link to that. So, uh, Maxine, before we get to um, the sort of book a little bit, um, Curtis Ellis's career arc. I mean, by the time he's writing at the end of his life, He's one of the best uh, articulators of this America first idea. But did he come to that gradually? You know, a lot of people sort of awaken to that. Was he, he he's he's described as an architect of economic nationalism. But like, was it something that he saw early in his career? Because he had a long career as a writer. And, and as a, I guess nowadays they say creator, you know, he was a, a producer of, of stories on TV and radio. I mean, how, how did he get to this position of recognizing the problem of China? You know, that's a great question, Ed. So Curtis had been on to China's lies and their hostile acts and their uh, currency manipulation for decades and decades and decades. And he even says in his in his book, Washington slept as China picked our brain and rose to become our major economic competitor as it built a military machine and fortified its totalitarian dictatorship. Mm-hmm. So Curtis called out China, the the CCP, Wall Street, the yeah. government, and corporate corporations early on. But then he was considered an alarmist. Now people are saying he's a visionary because everyone was paid. You know, it, it was all they people were paid to get rich and forget the American. Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and that's the thing. When I was looking at some of the um, positioning of this book and uh, descriptions, um, you know, it, it described there's a there's a video. I think it's a video. I didn't want. Yeah, I, I watched part of it about um, and it's Curtis talking about the Chinese Communist Party. That's a key part of this is the Communist Party. And then there was another place where um, he was speaking on uh, Walmart and Wall Street and saying, you know, the the what Walmart Walmart and Wall Street wanted, which was you know rising profits and lowering prices, drove us to China. That message, of course, like Buchanan, um, it didn't make you a Republican uh, stalwart for a long time. Was he? Was he? Um, would you describe him as um, a a different kind of Republican, or was he one of these ones that was sort of saying the Republican Party is too far gone? <laughs> Curtis had an amazing capacity, I guess it was his brilliance, to see through to the truth. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was regardless of party. It was he saw right away that our country and it's in the book, you know, going back to our founding fathers, starting with Washington, that the country we were built to be the created the greatest industrial power in the world. We became that through economic nationalism, buy here, made here. Mm-hmm. And and he saw that. And he was also uh, saw that it was the uh, greed and it was money that uh, people slept and people didn't think it through. That what happened was, so. for example, one time he interviewed a factory worker and the guy said to him, you know, you can tell me that these boots cost less in China, but if I don't have a job, I can't buy them. Right. And he saw that direct connection and how China has been trying for years and years and years to destroy our country through economic warfare and that we we are funding their emer- their superpower now they we're, they have a bigger military than we do they have a bigger navy and we're funding that uh, we're, again, we're talking with Maxine Albert, uh, the, the wife of the late Curtis Ellis, and we're talking about his book, which is out from Post Hill Press. It's called Pandemonium, China's Global Strategy to Cripple America. The reason it's so interesting is uh, when you read Curtis's book, and I think I'm in Chapter 5, he he goes and he, he minds this. And I've been telling people this. Uh, Lincoln, there's a direct quote. Lincoln says, give us a protective tariff and we'll have the greatest country on earth. And then, uh, 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 you know, another, uh, I guess, 30 years later or 40 years later, here comes um, uh, McKinley. And he ran on, he said, cheap is the badge of poverty. Cheap is the badge of poverty. And he won for president based on the idea that, you know, you're going to have to have tariffs. And of course, Donald Trump and uh, the late Curtis Ellis was an advisor to Donald Trump on his 2016 race. And Donald Trump got in office and all the smart Republican economists said, you can't do tariffs on China. You'll crash the economy. And I guess he, I guess Donald Trump was listening to uh, <laughs> Curtis Ellis because he did t- tariffs on China. Didn't crash any economy. It started to equal things out. I guess the... um the, the 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 lesson I have, the message I'd say, and I wonder, I mean, I wish I could interview him, um, is I don't think we can go back, right? I The people that think we're going to go back uh, to an economic understanding or understanding of the economy um, that says we're going to free trade our way out of it, I think that's gone. Did Curtis see that before he passed? I mean, did he understand how much progress we made in the last five or six years? He was always hopeful. And he wrote this book as a clarion call with also a plan of action to save our country, to decouple from China. Uh, and if, if there's any one still thinking that we can collaborate with China, today I saw a headline, Chinese minister warns of conflict and confrontation unless right. China changes course. Right. So, you know, There was a select committee on China last week. They had their first meeting and and Republicans and Democrats, and they both said, we underestimated China. Well, Curtis Ellis never underestimated (laughs) China. He saw it as greed. You know, they didn't underestimate. He saw it because he saw the link straight through. We have to take back our country. And how can we rely on our biggest enemy for our supply chain? Yeah, the things we need the most. Well, and this is uh, you, you reference, and I always tell my listeners, especially this kind of book, which is describing a massive problem. And we're talking again about Curtis Ellis's book, Pandemonium: China's Global Strategy to Cripple America, and uh, available at Post Hill Press. And and we're speaking now with uh, Maxine Albert, uh, his wife, the wife of the late Curtis Ellis, and she's got an introduction to the book. Um, and and it, it, Phyllis used to say, "Okay, good, you know, declare the problem. That's fine. And then and then what are you going to do about it?" And starting in chapter eleven, for me in my notes, I'm seeing. And I like this. The three, the three, um, the three, the positioning of this is identify, incentivize, incentivize, and unify. And and so it's identify the uh, especially. This is Curtis's point. Identify 
the industries that are, are indispensable that you have to have that for our, not just for our security, but for our way of life. And for, you know, and so, and that's one. And then incentivize, incentive, incentify, which is use policy to make sure that those can thrive. You, you've got to, that's where, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, for the people that are the Republicans that don't want to spend, well, you, maybe it's tax cuts or tax credits or something. And then the last one, and I think this is the big one. This is where I think Curtis Ellis in his book and Pat Buchanan and uh, he says unify. It should bring together all the different stripes, maybe not the libertarians that want to have, I don't know, open borders and open trade, but everybody else, Democrats, Republicans, should be able to unify around this notion because it leads to a stronger neighborhood, uh, state, and nation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and. It's a, his book is a plan of action to save America with a new declaration of independence. Yeah. You know, people are waking. They woke up with this Chinese balloon, this Chinese spy balloon yeah. that was hovering over our nuclear sites. Curtis would have said this has been going on for decades, you know. Yeah. Yep, yep. And that, by the way, that's, that's, he does do a, a new Declaration of Independence, which is clever also because, uh, it's written like the Declaration of Independence. And of course, if people go back and look at their Declaration of Independence, they, um, they will remember that there was a list of what had, you know, what was wrong with, uh, what, what, what our gripes were. And that was part of it. And so, uh, Curtis Ellis goes through that in the book. And it's, and as when you see it goes on and on and on about what China's done, communist Chinese regime has done to us, it's, uh, pretty convincing. All right. Well, listen, uh, Maxine Albert, uh, time flies. Thank you for coming on the program. Program. Curtis Ellis, the late Curtis Ellis. His book is Pandemonium, China's Global Strategy to Cripple America, Post Hill Press. Uh, thanks, Maxine, uh, for being out there uh, in this important uh, issue, set of issues, and for making sure people are, are checking out uh, Curtis's book. Thanks for having me. You're, you're welcome. Thanks very much. We will uh, I'll put up there and I'll go track down Raheem Kassam's book review, which will always be good. And on this issue, like I said, um, it's there's a lot uh uh, a lot of great people that uh, in the book, uh, the late Curtis Ellis uh, recognizes and acknowledges as uh, as sources and resources for understanding these issues, including that uh, General Spaulding, who we've talked about so much, who has written uh, on China. So we will take a break and I'll put all that up on social media. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. School performance fell sharply during the pandemic as liberal governors shuttered schools for prolonged periods and required masks at the expense of learning. Children became pawns in the tyrannical measures taken under the guise of responding to COVID. The last full year before COVID was 2019, and it was the last year of 50 million students enrolled in public schools. That total has since fallen, and experts predict a long-term decline in public school enrollment for decades into the future. Massachusetts has long been ranked at the top nationwide in student achievement. Now the Bay State has dropped to a 19-year low in its performance as the Democrat-controlled state pushes leftist ideology in its schools. The biggest declines in performance, by the way, were by minorities and low-income students and children who did not learn English at home. Throughout the rest of our country, the decline in student achievement and increase in illiteracy is shocking. In Pennsylvania, the third graders reading with the expected level of proficiency dropped from 60% to 50% over the last three years alone. 
Proving once again that he is in touch with ordinary Americans, Donald Trump selected education for the first video message of his 2024 presidential campaign. Trump also emphasized education in addresses in the early primary states of New Hampshire and South Carolina. Trump boldly called for empowering parents to directly elect school principals to hold them accountable for their failure to teach basic skills. Make no mistake, the fight to take back our schools is a culture war. How can we expect young people to fall in love with reading when just about every book more than a few decades old is somehow racist, sexist, or otherwise, quote, problematic? Real books on our school library shelves have been replaced with anime and manga, which are more of a pipeline to cartoons than to the classics. If the rising generation is to have a chance to make a difference, they must learn how to read. After that, they must be taught to love to read. These two essential elements open a doorway for success and achievement that no oppression can hold closed. Parents see it and voters see it. The only question is, will candidates see it? This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The liberal agenda is corrupting classrooms in colleges and schools across the country. If you're a parent, teacher, or administrator who really cares about our children, we promise to keep you informed at phyllisschlafly.com. And let us hear from you at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, I'm totally, totally out of time, so I just have enough time to say thank you to the great Noah Dingley, our producer. Thank you to the great Ryan Hyde, our associate producer. Thank you for listening, and please visit ProAmericaReport.com. ProAmericaReport.com. Sign up for the daily wink when you get there, the email that goes into your inbox. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.